0: Kia ora, and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV for the 13th of March, 2023. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by Chief Economist, Calvin Davidson. Calvin, how are you, mate? How was your weekend?
1: Very good. Yes, uh, I watched some cricket. Unfortunately, I can report that uh, it's now raining in Christchurch, so anybody who listens to this on time probably won't see any play today, but um, yeah, good weekend, family stuff. Uh not too much to report. The the weekend's tick
0: by and it's always getting around to Monday morning again. So um back into the podcast. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good, mate, I'm doing well and uh yeah, good weekend. Feel like a bit of a busy one, lots of stuff as per usual, out and about with the included this um x-race yesterday with my oldest daughter who's almost eight and so they had this thing out in Patoni you do little tasks in between sort of running in between those tasks and some of them are the adults some of them for the kids so that was very fun and, and Heidi certainly enjoyed that so she's already talking about you know wanting to do the next one which is great and a uh, good, good bit of time to hang out together you know which is we sure don't get that often when you've got three children so uh just her and I which was which was great so yeah good fun and quite with some friends who actually have a family and they're back from America So yeah, we sort of just felt like we were all out and about, haven't got anything done for the house, haven't got groceries sorted, so we feel a little bit unorganised, which is often the way when you're so busy, Um, but uh, but, yeah, certainly not complaining at all. And uh, I don't think I mentioned last week, but our renovation has actually begun, um, did last week, and so you know, there's been a bit of demolition, smashing down this conservatory at our place, the fireplace, the chimney. And then uh, we got some diggers and excavators coming in later this week, so it's going to be all go at our place, mate. But uh, yeah, certainly, certainly, I uh, feels pretty busy at the moment. That's for sure.
1: You need a uh, need some hired help,
0: get a nanny or uh, you know something like that. What the what the upper classes do? Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need yeah, I need everything, mate. Chefs and yeah, yeah. nannies <laughs> and everything, please. That would be lovely. Um, Yeah, if only. And and on the cricket, mate, very disappointed to hear that weather's, you know, not going to do the the job for us on day five for the Black Caps, and it's not looking Mm -hmm. great for day one here on Friday either in Wellington, so yeah, fingers crossed things improve, but it doesn't sound too promising, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see, because yeah, this test, which I haven't seen too much of, felt like it was a bit boring, but uh, yeah, anything that goes to the last day and has all three results as a possibility, is always great, of course. Yep, sure, not raining right now in Lincoln, so
1: mate, who knows? Maybe. I mean, it might be too late by the time people actually listen to this, well, we'll know. but uh, <laughs> anyway, fingers crossed.
0: No, nah, good ass, mate. All right, well, let's get into things then. And um, we've got a few things to talk about, but maybe they're all a bit, um, you know, not not too much detail we need to go into for some of them. Um, the starting thing, of course, was that we did have um, last week from CoreLogic, a couple of big releases, Women in Property Report, Out, which I know you helped um, front along with Eliza Owen from our um, CoreLogic Australia team. Heads of the research team over there. We did the special podcast, of course, last week. We did a special webinar for International Women's Day on Wednesday itself. Um, Most of that stuff, I think, has got pretty great coverage and I'll leave a few few links to those things. And I'm not sure we necessarily need to go into great detail for those, but maybe you can do a a quick wrap-up for how the week went covering that report um, obviously, I said we had the podcast, I don't need to go into too much detail. And just anything else, really, wrapping up. Um, you know that that logic release and everything that was was with it with the International Women's Day. And I can talk maybe a bit a bit about the webinar as well. But yeah, what do you, what do you want to um, cover on that one, mate?
1: Yeah, there's probably not
0: too much to add over and above uh, the the sort of
1: um, vast publicity that that came out last week or all the different events that were associated. I mean, it's a great report. I I sort of just chip in. It's it's Eliza in Australia that that does the donkey work on that one. So just localise it a bit for New Zealand. Again. You know, the, the, the uh, property ownership gap's still there. Uh, female-only ownership is a bit lower than male-only ownership. I think reflects that income gap as well, which, you know, uh, keep uh, trying to improve and fix and sort of underlying all of that as well I guess is this investment property gap you know if your incomes are lower it's going to be harder to, to buy an investment property and, and when you look at it by property type investor or owner occupier that's where I think a lot of the gender gap comes from so you know it's all it all sort of makes sense you know if we can fix that gender income gap it'll, it'll flow through to property ownership as well which you know has great benefits for you know later in life building that asset security of tenure that type of thing so yeah I think in the end it's it's trying to fix that gender gap. There's some geographical differences in there. Some areas have have higher female only ownership than others. And, and I think there's there's explanations for that. Um, but generally we've, we've still got that gap and, and I suppose there's there's work to do is is the main message.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think there's too much to add on that one. Um, as you said, got great coverage and great to be able to bring that to light through through some detailed analysis that goes on um, from our broader data analytics team. So yeah, just cool to pull that all together. Um, yeah, know that you are involved and I certainly wasn't as involved, but then I did um, get to moderate this webinar uh, where we had a couple of panellists who so were very impressive leaders in the banking and finance, just broader leadership space. Um, we had Sarah Falamatuli from uh, B and Z. We had Kathy Raynell from uh, TSB and Kristen Lundman, who is somewhat independent. She's ex uh, um, Hatch. She doesn't know why that went from my mind. We've spoken to Kristen before, of course. And she's now set up a new business, which is really looking to improve um, women and leadership, really, and, and opportunities and understanding what's going on in that space called PowerSoup, which is a, a free to sign up uh, newsletter at this stage as well. So look, three very impressive women leaders who have had some great careers and have some good um, you know, initiatives within their businesses. That uh, was great just hearing from them. And if anyone did watch it, they would have seen I had some technical difficulties and actually dropped out of the webinar for a few minutes, which obviously wasn't ideal. But uh, no surprises. The the uh, woman that were on the panel just carried on without me, which, um, as I said, no surprises there. They knew what they were doing and and um, had some great rapport between each other, too. So, yeah, really cool ex- um, exercise to to um, go through and, and have have provide that platform, um, and they did a great job on that one. So yeah, look, just just good to increase the conversation and make sure that we are you know talking about finding opportunities and and um, obviously CoreLogic's a, a good business for woman leadership led by Lisa Klaas in Australia, of course, who's our CEO. And I think half the leadership team, executive leadership team are also women. So, yeah, some good examples going on closer to home as well. But, um, yeah, I think we'll leave it there. As I said, I'll leave some links. The podcast is out there. If you do subscribe, you should have had that ordinately drop into your uh, podcast player. Um, Do give it a listen, the one that we got with Eliza um, on just to talk about the report in more detail. Um, and, of course, more wide-ranging than just talking about um, female ownership, but, of course, some of the reasons for that. And, as you said, some of the regionalized stuff too, which is interesting both here and, and in Australia, and some there were some differences too. So, yeah, look, I, I keep saying that's enough, but I will leave it there. Um, and, as always, fire through any questions or, or um, you know thoughts you have on it yourself. Um, the other one from a ecological perspective, Calvin, is that the Mapping the Market release went out probably just before we hit record this morning um, for immediate release, and that is our – you know map interactive map, which is available on the website. You can go down to a suburb level, understand what the median value is today, plus um you know a couple of different measures going back and understand how things have changed. Of course, I've quite interest quite a lot of interest now. We know we're in a downturn, but not everyone' seeing the same performance as others. Um, did you want to run us through a few key insights for that one? I'll leave a link to that that interactive map as well so people can go and check out their area. But any of the key notes you've got for that release to media? You'll probably have a few, you know, your your mobile phone buzzing as we're speaking right now from the media wanting to talk about that. But yeah, what are your key thoughts on that release um, and anything you're expecting to talk about in a bit more detail from that one?
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh, watching my phone, we have our emails off for the recording of the podcast, of course. So I'm kind of loosely keeping an eye on the phone. There's A few things there. Um, yeah, it's. I think that the key message from this is and it's a it's a story of weakness. There's there's probably no surprises there. We we monitor about sort of 950 suburbs, and over the past year, sort of roughly 800 of those have seen values fall. So it's 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 quite a, a broad based downturn. Obviously, the falls have been sharper in some areas than others and and certainly around Wellington. Quite a few areas have seen values fall by at least 20%. So the the scale of decline is quite big there. Uh, Some parts of, I suppose, more expensive suburbs have seen large falls in dollar terms. And you you might see some headlines about that. Westmere, St. Mary's Bay, uh, Seaton, and Wellington. These these suburbs have lost a lot in terms of dollar values. Now, they started higher. So of course, they've fallen a bit more in dollar terms. So I, I wouldn't go overboard about that. But there may be some headlines along those lines. Uh, and then of course, again, even if it's if it's lot, these are median estimated values from our, you know, from our AVM. So it's, you know, not great on, on paper if you're one of those property owners, but it doesn't necessarily mean too much unless you bought right at the peak and, and having to sell right now so again there's, there's caveats here but it is a story of weakness for sure uh, There's like I say a lot of suburbs have fallen 20% there's, there's about 350 somewhere around there have fallen by at least 10% so yeah you know, these, these falls are quite broad based there's some suburbs that have gone up We've seen parts of Southland, uh, Waimati District, um, I think Reefton on the west coast, they've actually seen values rise by 10%. So I guess like in any part of the cycle, some suburbs go up, some go down. You know, it's never one-way traffic. Just at the moment, it's, uh, it's mostly down, but there are still some exceptions. So uh, yeah, it's, it's good data. It's freely available. It's on that on that mapping the Market tool. And um, yeah, get in there and check it out. I think that wider story around near-term challenges for the market still holds. We're going to see some more falls coming up. But just that sense that maybe towards the end of the year that things might start to to sort of level off a bit more is, is still there. So, um, yeah, go and check it out,
0: see how your own suburb changed. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing of interest is those ones that, uh, not like the rest of them, right? Those are the ones that stick out and are of interest and you're trying to understand why that might be, whether it's value-based or the type of buyers that are in those areas or with the local economies doing something different or, you know, something about the cycle beforehand. And it's, that's the sort of stuff that I think we try and pull out the insight from. So yeah, it's those ones that, that jump out that uh, are of most interest and um, yeah, but like you say, go check it out. Um, and again, let us know any reasons as to why you think these things might be happening. We'll certainly be keen to hear those ones, but we'll always put our spin on it, of course. Um, but no, that's, that's good. And um, so I don't think there are any other data releases, Calvin. Um, but I did wonder about just last week in terms of you were out and about, back out traveling again. It was... Um, in conjunction with Trade Me's State of the Nation Roadshow. So, of course, first one in Christchurch, nice and easy for you, and then up to Auckland as well. I just wondered if you want to talk about how that went, if there was any, you know, you were on the panel, I think at the end of the sort of breakfast that were going on there, any sort of interesting conversations that were going on, any different or interesting takes that people had, and just anything you might have learned from from being out and about um, last week, talking to, well, people in the real estate industry, I guess it was, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, really good, uh, super professional and, and um, you know, great audiences and good locations and, you know, good breakfast, that, that always helps. Uh, I was it was alongside um, Brad Olson, who, who had the sort of keynote slot at each session, uh, Gavin Lloyd, who, who talked about sort of the Trade Me aspects of it and kind of overseen, I guess, by Anders, the, the CEO there. So, you know, good um, good panel, good uh, Trade Me representation and... And yeah, really, really good audiences. Kind of um, really were well watching the stage, really engaged, and, and we had some good questions. I think, yeah, it's uh, the the questions. I suppose were um, a lot of them around sort of the, the recent events, flooding. You know, what's that going to do to to property values? What what people might be already seeing it's doing to property values? Some of the issues that real estate agents are having, and so certainly an acceptance that activity is low you know no, no surprises there we said in the stats and you know even even um there might have been some people who had some some decent levels of sales in their own patch but this general acceptance that across the market is still pretty quiet and then yeah the, the flood thing is has really it just seems to have to have soared the whole awareness of that and what it's doing to actual deals on the ground that one of the agents i was speaking to who, who was a podcast listener uh, said um you know that, that he's had people walk away from deals due to flood risk only they've they were perhaps down the track of, of almost signing the paper and oh there's there's a flood risk here we're walking away and sometimes it seemed quite sensitive you know the, the flood risk wasn't that high um but still they they walked away just because this sort of extreme fear at the moment so you know justifiably so that's their decision but um, yeah, you do wonder whether this, some of this fear is really heightened at the moment, and it will kind of fade away over time, like like we've seen with past events. But so yeah, really good insight from the ground there. They were they were you know, like I say awesome events,
0: and um, yeah, really really pleased to be involved. Yeah, you can't kind of beat some of those you know real discussions um, with people that are out there having these these talks with consumers themselves. And I think that's you know we've talked about a lot why it's so fascinating is that it's analysing consumer behaviour, right? Which is not always. Um, you know, follows common sense to the to the right level. Um, but in this case, yeah, around the flood stuff, is just so interesting. And yeah, I do expect that it'll probably peter out, but maybe this is the sort of thing that keeps in people's minds a bit longer um, and does actually make people change their decision-making off the back of what the risk they have for flooding. So yeah, I, I, I suppose you, what we always say, it feels different this time around. Um, but as you say, you know, there was that study, um, the Strand Mastering Project with Otago University using some of our data, Looking at what happened to South Dunedin floods, and you know, basically saw that there's a general discount of about ten to fifteen percent um, after the flooding event happens. Whether it's properties that were affected or not, those that are in the area could be you know of concern, and uh, people are less willing to obviously pay the same prices. Sales volumes drop away when you do buy, buy a property. You're willing to pay less, but that that generally that discount that happened uh, was gone within eighteen months. Um, so it's gonna be very interesting to see how this one pans out over time. Are there some areas that don't get rebuilt? You know, are there areas that come back and, and look like they've, you know, put some better things to mitigate it? Maybe they do, but they're discounted. But is it longer than 18 months? So yeah, it'll be an intriguing one to watch how this one plays out um, because it does feel pretty serious right now and 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 no doubt it is. But it's just whether or not, yeah, things are a bit different or are the insurance companies and banks so much more onto it now and the data is becoming so much more easily and readily available um, that we do actually see people, you know, make true decisions, smarter decisions off the back of that and either avoid buying properties in these areas or it just means that they pay so much less because they need to, you know, do so much more to improve. Um, it's protection or they're paying so much more in insurance premiums or whatever. So, yeah, look, it's going to be an intriguing one to see how it plays out. But you're yeah, really interesting that early on um, insight is that, yeah, people live in doubt. They walk away and just go, no, don't want to don't want to even consider this for now. Need to you know do some more research before to get getting into it. And, you know, the conservative person in me says that's not the worst thing. Um, but obviously sucks for anyone affected by it and trying to sell out of these areas too. So yeah, lots lots to consider there, but um, yeah, like I say, it's great to be out and about. Um, I've got one this week, I'm up in Auckland for Urban Development Institute of New Zealand on Thursday afternoon, evening, I think it is, um, and like I say, very interested and keen to hear what's happening for those close to that development end of the industry as well um that was a fire alarm that went off in my building hopefully that was just a tester and it's not going to go off properly but um i might pass to you for the next section and go on mute and just hope that 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 doesn't go again um Calvin, another thing that I saw you pick up on this week was, of course, we did see that build to rent announcement from the National Party um, come out last week. So I wonder if you want to provide any detail on the announcement and just any thoughts off the back of that as to, you know, your take on bill to rent as an as an option. And obviously, if we make it more favourable, perhaps that is a good thing and and lending people more towards that side of things as well. So, yeah, your thoughts on that, mate?
1: Yeah, I mean, this uh, obviously you get an initial announcement like this, so I guess it could be a, a little light on detail and that comes later and you don't know what sort of detail might change in the interim and, and you know, National would have to win the election first to, to enact any of this. But yeah, I mean, in general, I, th- I think it's a good idea. I mean, build to rent seems pretty smart to me. You you intensify the existing land, you put in place a, a professionally managed facility that has, you know, attached amenities, cafes and gyms. Uh, build to rent tends to offer stable long-term tenancies. You're not on a sort of rolling 12-month horizon that the sort of standard rental property here is on. So you know, I think it, it's, it shapes up as a pretty good idea. Obviously, like I say, a lot of detail may or may not come out, but it seems like the big picture stuff is around Making it easier for overseas investment firms to finance some of these projects, which, which seems pretty smart. You open up the sort of global capital markets and allowing, now I don't fully understand this, this sort of tax side of things, but allowing commercial rates of depreciation. So so sort of separating it out away from a sort of residential type property into a large scale. This is treated as a commercial operation. It's, it's like a business that's going to be treated as such. So so that seems to offer an advantage as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's it, it seems like a good idea. Remains to be seen what actually happens. And, you know, these things will take some time anyway because you've got to kind of build them in the first place. But, yeah, I think it, it, it gives people security of tenure for long-term rentals, people who want to rent for the long-term or have to rent for the long-term. That seems a good idea. And could open up an investment product for people too. You could imagine... Know, sort of syndicated um residential funds like we see for for commercial properties. So so that that could be a a long-term outcome of this. I'm always I always hark back to the whole thing of renting doesn't have to be a disaster, you know, lots of in lots of countries around the world most people rent all their lives and uh, but they have other options for investment and I suppose that's part of the whole package that we probably need to see. Build to rent and and um, you know long term tenancies, but also other options for people to, to build wealth through tax breaks, that sort of thing. So um, that's a bit of a ramble, but I think good idea. Remains to be seen what actually happens, but I think if we if we get built to rent long term, it'll it'll be a good thing. It'll intensify the housing stock and and give that rental sector a bit more security, really. So so yeah, bring it on.
0: Yeah, no, I like it, and I think at the very least, you know, as you say, at least it's a conversation being had. It is going to be challenging people and everyone's going to look at the positives and negatives. I'm pretty sure that from our conversations and from some of the stuff I've seen from the likes of Housing and Urban Development, they're they're well aware and sort of pushing down this path too. So we're sort of seeing more and more opportunities in this space. I think it's then about how you, as you say, you know, arrange maybe tax benefits or something. So it is, you know, further encouraged from for for investors as well. So it's all those different things, but at the very least. A great conversation to be having, um, and at the same time, you know, we know that the Tenancy Act, tenancies Act has been improving to try and improve tenure of um, people that are renting. You know, you can make little modifications if you're renting and things like that, and you know, just ensuring that it can be a more palatable option for people. So, it has to happen in conjunction with some other things, and those are kind of in train. Um, but at the very least, let's conversations happening, um, bring it to the forefront and make it a, a very real option for people. Um, sounds really sensible. So, good to see that conversation happening in the market. Um all right mate well Looking ahead then, and as I said, last week was we pretty light on actual data, but this week there's a few more things coming out. We know we've got our own buyer classification data, which data, which is looking at obviously who was active in February in terms of securing property purchases. That's um sort of currently updating at the moment. So we'll we'll get a take on that later today ourselves. Weave that into presentations this week, no doubt, but otherwise we'll talk about that next week in the podcast. Generally expecting first home buyer as a proportion of sales to hold up relatively high. Uh, but as I say, we'll talk about that next week. There's a couple of releases. From Stats NZ, Calvin, you are waiting for the rental data, of course, I'm expecting that to maybe, you know, maybe dial back a little bit from the strength we saw in January. But of course, the question is disrupted from the um, significant climate events. And what does that mean for processes and processing? So we'll wait and see on that one. Um, and also stats New Zealand migration figures. And this is one that's been of real interest because they've surprised to the upside lately. And then, of course, we've got GDP data coming out on Thursday for Q4. Now, of course, it always feels a little bit old and backward looking on this one, but I'm sure you've got some thoughts on that. So do you want to give us any extra thoughts on those stats, that NZ and government releases coming later this week, maybe what, what you're keeping on top of and um, what people should expect to see? And then we can talk about those again next week when we come back to the podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess just on those rental numbers, it's around. You know, these will relate to February, and I guess it's around, you know, we look at the new bonds lodged, or the flow of rents, that, that measure within Stats New Zealand. So gee, could there have been disruption to what's actually processed, let alone what's actually going on in the market? So there's going to be two really interesting things to watch there. We might not know for sure for a few months anyway, so who knows, the February results do what they do, I think. But we'll need to keep watching. In terms of volatility potentially in their rental series arising from when bonds were, were actually lodged when they're processed you know what's actually going on in the real market quite apart from the lodging of bonds so that'll definitely be one to watch not only this month but over coming months as well yeah migration numbers uh they've been rising probably strong again i don't think they necessarily trump credit conditions in the, in the near term in terms of housing market effects but you know, get to the end of the year, get into that second half, maybe migration still strong. Uh, it's, it's extra population, it's extra property demand. So it could be just another part of that puzzle for the, the downturn ending towards the end of the year. And GDP, um, yeah, it's, this is going to be really interesting. The, the, the numbers are out on Thursday for Q4. The Reserve Bank expects a 0.7% increase on a, on a quarterly rate for for that GDP number, the banks released their previews on Friday. I think it was, and actually most of the banks are going for a fallen GDP. So I mean the range of forecasts is really wide. Um, so this will be one to to really watch. Uh, I don't know, it could come out in the middle, maybe we're kind of flat. Who knows? But if if it has fallen, then you'd think so. That'll be a fallen GDP Q four. We may be in a falling GDP period right now, Q one. So. Theoretically, we might already be in recession if, if those bank forecasts are right. Now, that's a bit earlier than what the Reserve Bank was saying. So, um, you know, it could come to an end a bit sooner as well. And, and actually, just again, adds to that sense that the downturn could end a bit sooner. So um, nothing set in stone for sure. And, and like i say there's huge uncertainty about the GDP numbers at the moment, let alone the fact that they're always a bit out of date. So one to watch. And yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what the result is on
0: Thursday. Well, you've certainly heightened my level of interest because I think, yeah, because it's backward looking and we watch the NZAC, the New Zealand Activity Index, which we do think is a much faster measure, but not as official. And um, and so we track that one as well. We've obviously got a couple extra months on that one. But you do definitely increase my level of intrigue just because if it is, like, say, an actual negative, then, um, then yeah, that could well mean a lot more for all the forecasts everyone's expecting. So, yeah, OK, maybe that's going to be a little bit more interesting than I'd originally thought. So we'll certainly be paying attention on that Thursday. The other one that um, just remembered as well, of course, we are expecting the Real Estate Institute um, house price data to come out tomorrow. Um, I mean, my quick summary on that would be sales volumes will remain low because again we'll see some impact from the um, from the massive climate events that happened in the last month or so, and expect that index to continue to fall away as well. So, you're not sure you want to add anything else on that one before I um, before I close us out for today. No, no,
1: that's it. Yeah, it's
0: uh, lots to watch as always. Yep. Yep. Bang on. And the other one that I'm recording our monthly video tomorrow. So that'll be out later this week as well. So um, yeah, I think there's, there, there will be plenty up this week. We do seem to have those, you know, ups and downs in terms of data weeks. And this week certainly seems like a, a big one for, you know, macroeconomic releases. That'll be very, uh, they will be of, of a lot of interest as well as a few things internally. So yeah, plenty to chat about next week. But um I'll, I'll close us out there, mate. Good to chat as per usual. So thanks very much for all your thoughts on on that and good to hear you're out and about and having some good conversations with the people out there. Um, and just want to say thanks very much for listening as well and for interacting. Please do come and chat to us when you do see us out there and do remember to hit that subscribe button and auto-download. So I go straight to your podcast player every Monday afternoon. Um, and, and as I say, we are available to get in touch with. Um, if not in person, then uh, we are available online through Twitter, through LinkedIn and also our email addresses on the podcast play listening through right now. So just swipe over the cover art. Let me say thanks once again. My name is Nick. He's Calvin. You've been listening to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast. Mātīwa.